Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dr. Devin Moss speaking again. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is part two of the Nick Regal episode. Uh, let me know what you all think. Um, he, he's going to share a little bit more wisdom on some some things regarding mental health and, and mental health with athletes. Hope you all enjoy it. Uh, as always, uh, just hit me back up if you have any questions. Hope you enjoyed the show. Here it is. So how did like what kind of skills did you need for your profession? Because one of the things I've noticed so far is that you're you're a really good listener. Thank and, you. Like how did that like, you know, what kind of skills do you do you need and how did you get better at those skills? And I I just be curious. I, I don't know. I don't want to give you like a cliche. <laughs> uh well this is this is really what i what i think is if you are a college athlete like a lot of people use the word resilient i think the my favorite definition of resilience is you are too dumb to quit like there's probably a thousand reasons that have shown up in your face that are telling you you should quit and you're just like nope still going and you use that same thing with whatever career you go on. You can just choose to be too dumb to quit, you know, and eventually you'll be okay. Um, but also having a why helps because if you do choose to quit, it'll be because your why has changed or it'll be because you're doing something else to serve the why also. It won't be as big of an identity crisis. See, even when you say words like quit, like sometimes like even in my core, I like cringe because I'm like, oh, quit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because mm-hmm. that's the athlete. You have been taught so long to just. Just persist, persist, persist. And when you hear people quit, you just ah, oh, quitter. Worst of the worst. You can't quit. That's the worst thing you could do is world's quit. Mm-hmm. You just got to see it through. And I mean, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's be, being resilient, but maybe that's just like the way I would yeah. just like trying i mean it's all how you frame it because it could be quitting it could just be redirecting Mm. but like from the outside looking in yeah anybody is gonna just say i'll quit quitting that's bad yeah so do you watch sports the same anymore or do you always look at someone and say oh this dude's freaking out he's having a he's having a you know whatever whatever diagnosis you want to give to that person at the time yeah i i do what i mostly do is i look at when people do really well and that's whether it's like public speaking or or sports you can you can kind of see similarities like um you remember when this was like 2017 golden state warriors when um, you Dray- get to draymond guy coming out okay 100 <laughs> but you could just tell they were having fun they, they didn't get mad at each other. They, you, you just looked like they were having fun. They didn't carry a ton of weight, a ton of expectations. Um, that's sports psychology. Which it's is just so different, present. though, from the 97 Bulls team where none of them talk to Jordan anymore. It Well, okay, yeah, for Jordan, but with Phil Jackson, he used, uh, he used Zen Buddhism. Like, he used mindfulness, which is all about staying present in the moment and if you make a mistake, you leave it in the past. You just keep on going. So they were getting that message from somewhere, maybe not from Jordan. <laughs> See, that's like two different voices speaking. One guy's yeah. really chilled out. He's calm. And the other guy's in your face. And he's literally going to punch you in the face if you make a mistake. It's like two, yeah. two way different messages. And you see now, 
Jordan is this billionaire guy, has his house in the Bahamas, and he's alone. It's kind of like the results of his actions. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, some people would say, well, "Yeah, of course, I want to be like Mike." Yeah, and, and yeah, we don't. You're right. Like we don't know. I don't want to make any assumptions on like if he's happy or not. I, but we don't know. You know, it'll be a dream to get him on the pod and just have this, have this <laughs> conversation. So you said you mentioned mindfulness a couple of times and you said that Phil Jackson used mindfulness. And of course, you know, it's probably a good assumption that Steve Kerr has used that with the Golden State Warriors team, at least pieces of it. You may not, mm-hmm. you know, be all the way into the religious side of Phil, but um, just one more time. Can you explain what mindfulness is? Yeah. Uh, mindfulness is, is the practice of paying attention to the present moment on purpose without any judgment. So like anxiety is usually worrying about whatever's gonna happen in the future. Depression oftentimes is regretting whatever happened in the past, but neither of those things you have any control of. So mindfulness is just focusing on the one thing that you control, which is this, just this moment. Um, You can do that with having an anchor to the present moment, like focusing on your breath, uh, focusing on one of your five senses. One of the things that I do, because this is because of my anxiety, I, I would read people's minds and just assume they're, they're thinking that like, I miss a shot. I see disappointment in all my teammates faces. That's just what I believe. And it makes me play worse. So the anchor that I use, I still use when I play pickup is I focus on my skin and I'll, I'll start like on my feet. And I'll just notice, like, are they, are my feet hot? Are they cold? Are they sore? If I focus in close enough, can I feel my pulse? And then I'll move up to my ankles and then I'll move up to my calves. And usually by that time, like the wheels have slowed down in my brain. You do this in the middle of a basketball game? Yeah, it doesn't take, I mean, it takes 10 seconds. My goodness. See, you're thinking, (laughs) I've never thought about that. But I mean, and maybe because I just never, never been told to think about stuff like that. I've just always been. You miss a shot, dang it, step away from the line, all right, get right back to the free throw line, <laughs> knock it down. This is what you've yeah. been trained. This is what you've been preparing to do. But I never thought, like. That's mindfulness. Short-term oh, okay. memory. See, and that's, yeah. We, well, I just we put a say, name on it. Yeah, we used to say this thing at EKU is uh, every time someone makes a play, you would maybe have a teammate or a coach just come up to you and say, next play. And you just, all right. I like it. Forget it and just keep going. And I kind of use that kind of like in my in my in my job and in life if you make a mistake yeah it sucks when you make a mistake some some mistakes are really bad but eventually you got to get on to the next play yeah so you're already doing it a lot a lot of times like when i talk to my clients about it they'll be like oh that sounds like this thing that i do i i mean you could put a you could put mindfulness like the name on it if you want to but it like there's research behind it. It's a thing that that people do. It's not just like superstitious. Yeah, that's interesting because I have read research about mindfulness before. So now you have your own practice mm-hmm. this is, and this is new. So how long have you been doing that for? I started my practice. Oh, what's today? I started my practice a year ago on September 9th. <laughs> um, and I did part-time while I was working at EKU's counseling center. And then I moved to full-time private practice in the beginning of June. So like three months ago. Um, so yeah, full-time three months, but 
uh, I started it a year ago. Was it a scary transition for you? Heck yeah. That change is scary, but it's it's been going great. I love it. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, yeah, because you, you, you know, you had to get build up clients and do your own thing. And now, you, I mean, now you're now you're your own boss. And you, I mean, how are you enjoying it, though? It's awesome. Um, yeah, you set your own schedule. And I mean, you focus on the you advertise to the, to the population that you want to see. And um, yeah, man, it's, it's going really well to, to like normalize the the fear. I had to, I really had to, to like normalize how scary it was. Otherwise I wasn't going to do it. But um, like in counseling, adjustment disorder is the name for you're doing something new and it's scary. And at like at EKU in the fall, when freshmen will come in the first couple of weeks of, or really the f- whole first semester is like most of them we could just diagnose with adjustment disorder, which isn't anything scary. It just means this is something new and, and it's producing anxiety or depressive symptoms. Um, and the way that you treat adjustment disorder is you just kind of provide support and you wait. Um, so that's, that's the way I thought about it. It was like, yeah, this is scary. Eventually I'm going to be okay. So counseling and mental health really hasn't been, a, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I'm just going to put the elephant in the room. It really hasn't been like a big thing for like black communities and minority communities for a while. Mm-hmm. And so like, how do you suggest that that message gets out a little bit more to minority communities that this is something that's important? to destigmatize it at least yeah i that's tough because i think the more outspoken we are and i say we the more outspoken black people are honestly i can talk all i want the volume isn't going to be as loud um but in general like destigmatizing mental health for everybody the more outspoken we are, the the more normalized it gets, the more likely somebody else is going to reach out to get help because all my friends go see a therapist. Um, like it's, it's not this scary, weird thing. I, I know somebody and I, I know they aren't, I don't think of them as like broken. Um, you don't have to be broken to see a therapist. At, but it's t- the reason why I say it's tough is because I also respect the fact that some people just want privacy and they don't want to talk about it. And that's okay too. Um, if, if you are comfortable with talking about your own like mental health stuff, I talk about anxiety all the time. I, like I'm a therapist, so like I have to, but I, I normalize mine. It's one, it, for one reason, it's because it normalizes it for other people. But the other reason is like, that's how I take the power away from my own anxiety is like, I just call it out. It's not this thing I'm trying to hide from. Do you, do you ever accidentally like diagnose your friends? <laughs> uh, no comment um man yes <laughs> but not like i don't tell them it's not like intentional it's just this is the way your mind works i mean i mean yeah. this is kind of the, i mean being in different fields like such as this is i mean i, I would guess it's probably common yeah yeah and, it's, and like i i mean you don't know everything about somebody so i can have like a suspicion it, and it doesn't mean anything is wrong with them. It's just like, 
oh, that sounds like anxiety. <laughs> it yeah. sounds kind of like depression. Um, I don't call them out. It's just, yeah. But there are different cases, like there's levels to anxiety, right? Like there's, there's people who, who may need medication for theirs. And there's, mm-hmm. there's some people who just need to simply talk to someone about it. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. There can be a chemical imbalance. Okay. All right. So in, at that point, like you being in your role, would you suggest them to someone who, are, you, are you the one who, who does that? Or mm-hmm. was it to be a therapist? Yeah, usually to a psychiatrist or a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Um, and the way I think about it is it's, I, therapists have metaphors for everything, if you haven't noticed, but it's like, it's like learning how to swim. And we can talk about all the skills it takes to learn how to swim, but if you can't keep your head above water, then you're still going to drown. So medication can be like a, wearing a floaty. It can keep your head above water. It doesn't teach you how to swim, but at least at least it keeps you floating while you're also learning how to swim. Okay. All right. This is, it's all starting to, I mean, Frank, like I've, I mean, I, I know I have like at one point in time in my life, I've had suspicions about the whole field of mental health and sports psychiatry and like that all, I mean, it always was a, was something to me that was like, uh, I don't know about this. It's kind of, I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, the privacy thing, I mean, I mean, typically I would like to describe myself as a private person, but yet I share my life on a podcast. Um, but, <laughs> but um, the privacy thing was a big thing for me. It's like, man, you're just going to tell somebody all your business and then, you know, and then it's all out like that. And I don't know, but I mean, it does help. So, I mean, that, that part is important that it does help. Yeah. And and you're right too. Like, I'm just going to tell somebody and then what, like (laughs) not every, it's not every therapist you're going to connect with and it's okay to, to test out different. I'm not going to pretend like I'm the best therapist for every single person. Um, But the purpose of the podcast, you're the best, you're the best one. (laughs) I'm not, I'm definitely not. Uh, But um yeah if I like what you're supposed to do which this is this is what I do if I'll talk about that directly in in the first session I'll say like I'm you might not connect with me you might not feel understood by me and that's okay I'm not gonna lie and be like no 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 you it's either me or it's nobody um but I am a really good resource if you don't feel connected to get you connected with somebody else because the counseling world is really small and I know a lot of therapists and I could give you a referral to someone who might be able to understand you better based on like what your needs are or what your personality is. Okay. So wrapping up here a little bit, I got a couple more questions for you. What are the biggest needs that you see that athletes need in the mental health space? Oh man, just I don't know, just to normalize help seeking behavior. I think that's, I'll leave it. I've been super wordy with every single question. So I'm just going to say that. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, wordy's fine though, but so you said normalize help seeking behavior. It's almost like in sports, a lot of times, and this probably goes to a deeper discussion, but it's, like the machoism are, you know, that, that people have, I mean, you see all, all your greatest heroes are like Superman 
mm-hmm. and are super women and you see but the moment they show weakness like and that's kind of goes back again to that holistic yeah uh, holistic athlete because if, if they're if you see them as a human and not as a super person then maybe that person won't see themselves as a super person and they're allowed right. to make mistakes so if you get I mean, you, you always hear stories about, I had a friend who was a kicker and he missed a field goal in a really important game. And he got hate mail and people booed him when he came to class and all these different things like that. That's pretty rough. I mean, it's not yeah. normal for what student athletes have to go through. And um, he like normalizing that, well, maybe he needs to, maybe you need to talk that out because no one else yeah. is going through that before. And I, I had a mentor when I was in college, he, he was in the army and he told me that he said, you know, there's two types of people on campuses that don't go through normal experience, normal everyday experiences. That is your, your veterans who, who've been, who, who've served. And then those are your student athletes who play in front of thousands of people and have to take <laughs> a test the next day. <laughs> He's like, both people, you know, the, you know, the risk are, de- are different for each category, but both people have something that they're going through and they got to figure out something or, yeah, they are, you know, they may explode. And we call that when I was in basketball, we kind of called that like, yeah, you're going to explode. You need to find something. Right. Yeah. The, both of those populations, that's the, it's the superhero thing. Like you're, it's a skill to be able to put on a mask and be that person. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to like, you can't just say that that's a horrible thing. That's, that's a strength. As long as you have somewhere in your life where you can take the mask off. So do fans put that expectations on people or do the athletes put that expectations on themselves? I, I think it comes from everywhere. Uh, but like you were saying, who was the person telling me I had to prove people wrong? It was just, I had to prove myself wrong. Yeah. You know, like that's, it's so common that our biggest enemy is our own brain i wonder why it like we start getting those things i don't i don't know yeah maybe you have the answers because you're the the smart guy right now i would be no i would if i had that answer i would be rich (laughs) (laughs) okay last question i think i don't know because this is a good good conversation i love talking to you so you love talking to you too are you (laughs) i like talking to you (laughs) (laughs) okay so now that this is, you know, mental health is now on the forefront, it seems like, and it's very important. And it's something that a lot of people, it's, it's really hard to explain to, to, to people who, who really aren't interested in the topic at, at the moment or, you know, but yeah, that old school mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, I mean, like we saw, for, I'll bring this up again, Simone Biles, she decided that she couldn't go because I think she called like the twisties or something, the spin, whatever, whatever it was. And having to explain that to like a little kid, like what is mental health? So first question, it's a two-parter. So first question, like how would you explain that to like the future generations? And then in the second part of this question is if we're looking back 10 years, like 10 years from now, I know you just talked about mindfulness and being in the present, but like I want to talk 10 years from now, where would you like to see the mental health discussion be at in, in the world of athletics? 
Oof. All right. So what, how do you explain what mental health is? Yeah. How would you explain that to someone who's younger that they know that this is important? Oh, that's a good question. Because you, I mean, Uh, I think about it this way. If you see some kid that's outside, you know, and they're playing soccer and they just, I just quit. It's just, I don't want to do it. It's too hard. Or, you know, I think it's important that we still teach grit and resilience. I think those are still important things, Mm -hmm. but then also how do you keep in the balance that, you know, what if they're going through something? I mean, I don't know how old someone can, can be at starting to experience those sport anxieties. Like what, you know, what if they're going through something like that? How do you teach a young person those things? I, Oh, I have thought about this with, I don't have any kids, but like I thought about how I'm going to not be the person that my kids resent. <laughs> you know, not, not saying that I resent my parents. I love my parents, but like, it, it, it's weird to say, but they're getting that message from somewhere. It's not uncommon that it comes from, from parents or somewhere, somebody around them how do you not be that person? And that terrifies me. Um, I mean, cause don't you, I kind of feel like you almost have to be that person at times to push them. I mean, just honesty, <laughs> if there wasn't people pushing me in my life, I wouldn't have had as much success athletically or even yeah. academically as I do today. But that comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. So like, aren't those people necessary like old school mentality like we just mentioned like bobby knight okay and people who don't know bobby knight you can just google search him and you'll find how you look up broken YouTube chairs video. yes yeah he, he was he he was a guy who was really crazy and threw through a lot of temper tantrums for, for a grown man but he won mm-hmm. a, a lot i'm not saying that the things that he did was right but he won and a lot of those players isaiah thomas being one of them was great because he had someone that i mean he was already great before he got there but he became this a better player because he had someone constantly pushing him yeah yeah you can't take that away from from that i don't i don't think giving that kind of pressure is bad as long as it's like the mask thing as long as you have somewhere to like talk about it to examine it to like i don't know put everything out there with somebody that that you trust um i think sometimes maybe it's like you're getting all this pressure you're getting all this pressure you're getting all this pressure and there's nobody there that's like you okay do you want to talk about like that's when it builds up and builds up and builds up um so i don't know you find that balance yourself but gotta you gotta check in you gotta give them space whether it's with you or with somebody else like you have to have hopefully provide kids space to talk about what they're going through um without judgment okay that's good so in 10 years say you're still in the field where would you like to see this discussion or where would you like to see this field be at when it comes to mental health and athletics Oh, just more normalized. Like, like we wouldn't have to be doing a podcast to talk about it because everybody already knows what it is. You know, like every team has 
um, a weight coach. Every team has a nutritionist. They have a therapist, you know, and that major teams do. Um, but just to make that a normal thing, that's, that's what I hope to see. Wow. That's good. That's good. So I've, I've enjoyed this conversation. I've enjoyed my, my time on the, on the couch. Um, <laughs> I'll bill but, you. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, but I really appreciate your time. 